Are you dissatisfied with your spiritual progress, feeling stuck without knowing why, even after deliverance prayers or years of therapy? Recover your dignity, find your purpose, and discover the thrill of walking with God once again. Explore spiritual consultations with Sonia at BibleStudyEvangelista.com. Click Go Deeper on the homepage, then one-on-one, and find out how to cooperate more deeply with the Holy Spirit's action in your life with a spiritual consultation. If you like having Bible study in your pocket and you have an iPhone or iPad, why not leave a review? Search Bible Study Evangelista in iTunes and tell everyone how you're loving and lifting all you've been given. Here's Sonia. series called Cherished, How God is Using Your Vocation to Heal You. And I'm absolutely thrilled that my husband is going to join me later on in the series, not today, because I need to set up the whole thing, right? And it's interesting, as I began studying for this series, a couple of things kind of surprised me, as they always do. The first is I did a a quick search through the scriptures for the word cherish or cherished, the form of that word. And most of the time when it's used, and of course, it depends on your translation as to how this word is translated. Sometimes it's just regarded. Sometimes it is to see, to love. But most of the time when it's used in the scriptures, if it is, it's used in the context of sin. For instance, in Psalm 66, 18, if I cherish iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me or will not hear my prayers. So iniquity is crookedness. It's sin. So if we cherish sin in our hearts, then God does not hear our prayers. Now, that's not literal. God hears everything. (laughs) But and in fact, he doesn't actually hear because he doesn't have ears. But you get the point. If we are cherishing sin, then we are we are far away from him. And so the feeling of being cherished is going to be much more difficult. It's not impossible because God gives experiences of himself to people everywhere uh, in all kinds of states in life. But if we are hoping to experience being cherished on a regular basis, on a daily basis even, then the doctors of prayer tell us how to do that. And the very first thing that must happen is that we must put away sin. So that word uh, cherished was used in the context of sin in most places. I found it in another place in Kings where it was there was advice to a king to select a young virgin and cherish so that she would cherish him and stand before him so that he would get heat, it said. <laughs> so I'll leave you to decide what that might mean. But I thought it was interesting. Just the uh, the examples of that word in the scriptures. The actual definition, if we're looking at it from a secular point of view, the definition is to hold dear or to show affection for. And what I know in doing one-on-one consultations with many, many people, speaking to people at conferences and retreats and workshops, and just my interactions on a daily basis, and you know this is true, 
This is everybody's number one need. We need to be cherished. Everyone needs to be cherished. And today, that's what we're going to talk about. This is the subject of our first show in the series, The Need to Be Cherished. The second part of the series will be what it means to be cherished, according to the scriptures, and then how to experience being cherished is the third part. Uh, And it's that part we're going to talk about our relationships and our vocations. But today, I want to look at the need to be cherished, and we're going we're gonna to talk in each show about how to experience being cherished, and I'll lead you through an exercise in each one of those um, the episodes. But I thought it was interesting, too, as I was studying that the monthly friend of the show donors who are part of the Romans Bible study that we're doing uh, as a thank you gift to my monthly donors, I am starting a Bible study in Romans. And what I love about the book of Romans is that it talks about our identity in Christ. And this is a huge deficit in people. I see it all the time. You've seen it. You've experienced it. I've experienced it. When we don't know who we are in Christ, when we don't know how God sees us, when we don't experience being cherished, we are a mess. We are all over the map. Everything is disordered. Our relationships are a mess. We're a mess. And that's why we're talking about this subject. And so what was interesting in part this week is that our Romans study for our monthly donors is talking about this idea from a different angle. And so they're going to kind of mesh together. Um, So I'm thrilled about that. And there are lots of really good foundational scriptures on our identity in Christ in the book of Romans. So those two things are going to really, if you're part of that, I'm really excited for that too. And we'll cover some of it here, but I won't be able to, to go in depth as deeply as I'll be able to in the Romans Bible study that we're doing every month in the monthly meetups that uh, I'm doing for the monthly donors. But today we're talking about the need to be cherished. And I love this because this is always a huge surprise to people who come to me for one-on-one consultations. They are... There are usually two kinds of people. One we might call a leech. You know these people, they are so needy, they absolutely suck the life out of you. We might label these people toxic sometimes, and indeed they can be for sure. But there are leeches, and then there are stoics who pretend like they don't need anybody or need anything. And the the two poles are equally frustrating. And I'll be honest and tell you that I was both of these things. I pretended out of self-protection. I pretended that I didn't need people and I pretended that I didn't need specific relationships. And then when I was in them, I was a leech where I just sucked the life out of, of my closest relationships because I was so needy. But here is something that I think is so freeing. You were made to be needy. And this is, One of the things that we cover in my one-on-one consultations, because it is a scientific fact, if you went through the Freedom from Anxiety series, then you know that it is a scientific fact that we need to be cherished. It is part of the way we're wired, the chemical wiring, the uh, everything, everything about being human is being needy, needing love. 
We talked about in that series, Freedom from Anxiety, the primary attachment need. And that attachment need is love. We need to be cherished. We need to be held dear. We need to have affection shown toward us. We need to be touched. We need to be cherished. We need it. It is, a, it is an absolute biological fact that human beings' primary attachment need is for love, is for this idea of being cherished. We must have contact and closeness. We must have it in order to grow and develop as children and, and adults. We can't grow out of sin habits and other self-medication and addiction and all, all kinds of ways that we try to substitute for this need or satisfying the need in, in substitutionary ways. We cannot grow if we are not cherished. And God knows this. He knows it. The problem is a lot of times we don't realize that we were made this way. We were made to need love. So you cannot grow. You can't grow as an infant or a child or even as an adult without that love. And part of it is the chemicals involved. When we feel loved, when we are feeling cherished, we get these chemical dumps of oxytocin, dopamine, and serotonin. These are all the happy chemicals, the love chemicals. And this, these love chemicals stimulate growth mentally, emotionally, physically. So we have to have it. Now, I'm going to prove it to you. This is where I always start with this idea in my one-on-one consultations is in Genesis chapter 3. And I always ask the question, when we're looking at Adam and Eve, when you look at Adam and Eve in the garden before the fall, before they ever sinned, what did they need? And when I ask that question, almost everyone says nothing. They didn't need anything because they had everything in the garden. But that proves that they needed things because they were provided. So what did Adam and Eve need in the garden? They needed food. They needed water. They needed a perfect climate because they didn't wear clothes. They needed work because that's part of what God provided. They needed relationship, which is why Adam and Eve had one another. But they also needed a relationship with God. So all of these things are needs. They are not a matter of sin. Neediness is not sin. It feels uncomfortable. It feels negative. It's a weakness. It feels weak. But it's not a matter of sin. Adam and Eve were created in perfection in the garden to need stuff. So it wasn't a matter of sin. It wasn't a matter of the weakness in the sense of patheticness, right? None of that was the reason for their neediness. They were simply created that way. You were created with the need to be cherished. So you shouldn't be embarrassed. You shouldn't feel stupid. You shouldn't feel pathetic because you were made that way. You're listening to the Bible Study Evangelista Show. Bible Study Spirits That Taste Like Cake.
Let's get social. I'm no longer on Facebook, so come and connect with me in the new Catholic Evangelista community. Visit BibleStudyEvangelista.com and click Community on the menu, or scroll down to the radio notes and click the link to our community. We're sharing pics and prayers, love the word takeaways and insights on the daily readings, and everything else social. Come share with me. Sonia created the Love the Word Bible Study Method just for you based on Mary's personal practice and formulated for your personality and temperament. Get your Love the Word meditations every Monday morning by signing up at BibleStudyEvangelista.com. Now, here's Sonia. Speaking of neediness, I want to shout out and thank out loud my friends of the show my newest friends of the show and it's a couple of weeks since we had a little break Sanya K Monica J Trina W Cindy Mc Joanne or Joanne M Mary C Barbara O Ann T Amaris R Marianne H Michelle T Jessica J Mary C Fidelis L Peggy P Susan D Martina McDuh Tracy D James McNuh Ellen C Linda D, Mary McJuh, Peggy H, Hannah C, Michelle M, Susan G, Rebecca H, and Amy B. Thank you. I need you. I need you. And so I thank you. I thank you for um, your support, both in prayer and your financial support, especially those of you who are monthly donors. Um, I have some really good news to share with you in the next couple of weeks when my husband joins me. I can't do it now, but um, you will understand why I am so thankful for your help in God supplying all my needs for this ministry. So thank you. So neediness then is not a matter of sin. It's not pathetic. It feels pathetic, right? We feel needy. I mean, I absolutely despised how that feeling felt in the beginning because I didn't know what to do with it. And that's part of why I want I wanted to begin the whole series with this idea because people fight against their neediness and they substitute and they fall into addictions because they don't know how to satiate it. They don't know how to get this need met and they're looking to people who are limited human beings just like them, who are also needy, who are also this abyss of need and weakness to try to fill it for them. And that can't happen. It just can't. We are limited human beings. We do not have the capacity to fill one another's neediness to the degree that it was created in us. The neediness that you experience probably overwhelms you because it is eternal. There is no end to the depth of your neediness. There is no end to the depth of your weakness. And when I say that, I mean that you were created for the love of God himself. And so that God-sized hole that uh, Pascal talked about, the God-sized vacuum or the God-sized hole, it's eternal. And that's why nothing created can fill it. So you were made that way. Because you were made for God himself. Oh my goodness, I'm starting to get excited, okay? But my first point is that you need to be cherished. So don't let anyone else make you feel silly or pathetic or stupid 
for having this need. The thing is, we have to know how to get it met. And so we're going to talk about the proper ways, the healthy ways to get this need to be cherished met. But the first thing to understand is that it was, you were created that way. And so rather than pushing it away and pretending that you don't need or looking for love in all the wrong places, right? Instead of that, we need to lean into the neediness, lean into the weakness. All right. We'll talk about that more in just a moment. But because our primary attachment need is to be cherished, because we must have love in order to grow and develop properly, the source of our deepest pain is separation. And it leads to stress responses. That's the kind of stress response that underlies all of our addictions and all of the ways that we seek substitutes to fill this eternal hole that we've been made with. So separation then is the source of the deepest human pain. And that can be a literal physical separation through, say, a death or a divorce. It can also be a separation in the sense of like an emotional separation. This is actually part of why in childhood, a lot of the things that happen to us through our parents and other people cause a guilt coping mechanism, which I spoke about in the Freedom from Anxiety series, and I don't have time to go into that now. Um, I'll be adding that to the healing masterclass that I'm working on now for you. But the, the separation can happen when our, the expectations of our parents or authority figures is too high and we don't know how to meet them. There are lots of ways in which this separation can be experienced. But in order to protect ourselves from that separation that we believe is imminent, if we don't do what the authority figure expects, there's this terror of this separation. And in part, it's because we understand as children inherently that if we are separated from the authority figure, we may not survive. Like literally, we could we could die. We won't have food. We won't have shelter. We won't have what we need to survive. And so we develop guilt and shame as a coping mechanism to keep us doing what the authority figure wants us to do. And that carries over into adulthood. That leads to all kinds of stress responses, addictions, all of that, right? So the deepest pain that we can experience as humans is separation. But I want to bring up an area of separation that you probably haven't thought of. Judgment. Judgment is a separation. Judgment says, you are one thing, I am another. When you judge, you are separating yourself from another. It is a lack of unity. It is a lack of relationship. And so judgment is by nature, it separates. Now, that's not always a bad thing, right? So if we judge that something is unsafe, then we need to separate from it. If we judge that something is immoral, then we separate from that. If we judge that something is sinful, then we know that morally we need to separate from that, which is where that psalm comes in, 6618. If I cherish sin in my heart, God will not hear my prayer. So judgment in and of itself is not necessarily a bad thing. But when it when it becomes condemnation, 
when we are superior, if we think ourselves superior to other people and we start practicing judgment, we're separating ourselves from them and we cannot experience them in the way that God intended us to. Um, I hope that makes sense. So all of the interactions that we have with other people, God allows them for all kinds of reasons. But a lot of times, and and this is part of what we're going to talk about throughout the series, our relationships, our closest relationships, when we engage in condemnation, in judgment, in superiority, when we start doing that, we are separating from that person. It creates a separation. So that is a source of pain. When you are judged, when you are condemned, you feel that sense of separation. You feel that sense of terror and pain because separation is the source of deepest human pain. So because attachment and love is our preeminent need, it overrides all conscious intention. And, and that's why we are searching for substitutes all the time. And we fall into habits that lead us off to slavery because we've listened to the lies of the enemy that somehow this created thing is going to satiate my need to be cherished. And that is impossible. It is absolutely impossible. And so because it is an unconscious drive, we automatically search to be satiated in other things outside of our soul, outside of contact with God. Okay. I hope I'm making sense. I feel like I'm not making any sense here. I'm following my outline, but I feel like I'm not making sense. So to review, the need to be cherished is a need you were created with. It's not a matter of weakness or neediness, not in the sense of a negative one. Okay. It is a weakness. It is a neediness, but it's part of your createdness. It's not, there's not something wrong with you because you're needy or you're weak. We have to learn, however, how to satiate that need to be cherished rather than substituting for the real thing. We have to know how to get in contact with the love that created us with this abyss, this eternal need inside of us in ways that can nourish it so that we can feel cherished, so that we can, when we feel cherished, we get those chemical dumps of oxytocin and dopamine and serotonin. So we got to know how to get in touch with the source of the eternal love that is going to satiate the need that we were created with. That is part of why we should never try to push away the neediness and the weakness in ourselves that we feel and that we see and that we discern. Paul said in in 2 Corinthians 12, 19, my grace is sufficient for you, God said to him, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Perfect meaning mature. So he says, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. So this idea of neediness is particularly difficult for men who are supposed to be strong at all times. The denial of our weakness and our neediness leads to all kinds of problems emotionally and mentally and spiritually. So Paul shows us that rather than pushing it away, we need to really lean into it. So the leech, (laughs) I'm not saying you should let them leech, but understand that they're just human. And the stoic, if you're the stoic, then you're lying to yourself. (laughs) 
You're listening to the Bible Study Evangelista Show. Bible Study Spirits That Taste Like Cake. Did you know you can get Bible Study Evangelista radio notes and podcasts delivered to your inbox every Monday morning? Redeem your Mondays. Join thousands of your fellow listeners by subscribing at BibleStudyEvangelista.com. Now, here's Sonia. show you how these two ideas work against your need to be cherished. The leech cannot experience intimacy with other people because they push everyone away with the overwhelm of their demands for closeness and usually it's it feels very possessive, it's very controlling. The leech just sucks everybody dry. And eventually, everyone around them will separate, causing them even deeper pain, right? But eventually, everyone around them will separate because they just can't take it. The Stoic, however, also cannot experience intimacy because he won't even allow himself to admit that he has the need for it. And also, the Stoic often, in this Stoicism, He pushes other people away, or she, sorry, I didn't didn't mean to make this a man, but she pushes other people away with this judgment. I don't need you, right? And that's a self-protection. That's actually a cry for love, a cry for, it's an, uh, an illustration of the need to be cherished, but it's in a backward way. So the leech can't... receive intimacy from other people because they've run them all off and the stoic can't for the same reason nobody wants to be judged all the time and no one can get close to a person who pretends that they don't need someone else and so part of maturity then is understanding that the leech needs just like you do you might be one of the leeches. <laughs> I know I have been. And there are times, there are times now that I'm just, I just go to God and I'm just pitiful. And I know I am, but I know now where to go. And so I, I kind of just lean into it when I'm feeling pitiful. And I had a little meltdown yesterday, actually. And I had a little pity party and I just sat and cried in the Lord's lap. And I, you know, I, I, we feel pitiful. Empathetic when when we're in that sort of mental space, but that's the place to do it. And so you don't suck the life out of everyone else demanding that they try to fill this need for eternal love that they can't fill. So we want to try to find a balance between sucking everybody dry and pushing other people away with one, a denial of even the need for them and two, judgment. So finding that balance, right, is it's partly personality and temperament. It's partly uh, learning who we are in Christ and knowing how to engage with God in a way that satiates the need to be cherished rather than pushing it away. Okay, 
So we want to lean into that. And I imagine since we're talking about this, you're probably going to have a pop quiz this week. So I just want to warn you about that. A pop quiz is a situation or a relationship that triggers an overwhelming emotional response that you most of the time don't understand. And it just overwhelms you usually. And it's always connected to woundedness from the past. And so you probably will have, if you have a wound of this type where you have felt rejected or abandoned and alone, isolated, lonely, if you have this kind of wound, then you're likely to have a pop quiz this week. And that is simply the Holy Spirit giving you an opportunity to practice what he's teaching you. And what we're learning right now is not to push the neediness away, rather to lean into the neediness. So when it happens, when someone treats you ugly and you feel rejected or abandoned or alone, lean into the emotion of it and go straight to God and sit in his presence and practice something that I call an Emmanuel moment. This is actually a term that I learned from the JP2 Healing Center um, with which I have been working some. And the Emmanuel moment, it relates to the visualization technique that I gave you at the end of my book, Just Rest. And so they go together. And the reason this works is because music, art, prayer, meditation, and emotion all engage the limbic system. The limbic system is that that place of memory and emotion in the brain. And so music and art and prayer and meditation can be very healing because they engage that limbic system. So one of the things you can do when you're feeling rejected or abandoned or isolated or just needy, when you're feeling needy like that, you can put on good music, praise and worship music, a Gregorian chant, something classical, something that's going to nurture and feed your soul. Music, or you can do art, because art is that creative thing. That's part of actually how we're created in God's image. And art can be very therapeutic. So you can practice those two things to help engage that limbic system in a physical way, auditory and visual. And we know from Second Chronicles 20, uh, 21 and 22 that praise confounds or confuses the enemy. So music is very soothing. It can be, depending on the music you choose, right? But the, the point of that whole thing is that music and art, prayer and meditation are all engaging that limbic system. And so this Emmanuel moment or visualization and meditation, they also engage that limbic system. They help heal. Healing and music and art and prayer and meditation all occur in the same place in the brain. So this Emmanuel moment, the way it works is when you're feeling lonely or needy or rejected or abandoned, and remember, I, I'm just going to remind you again, you're probably going to have a pop quiz this week on this. So when it happens, this is what you do. You sit with God, you get alone, and you sit with God quietly. And I want you to, right now, I want you to remember a time in your life when you felt really, really close to God. Perhaps it was in prayer, 
Perhaps it was at a retreat house. Perhaps it was out at the beach, maybe in the mountains, whatever. Remember a time when you felt really, really close to God and reimagine that same scenario. What you're doing is re-entering into that same experience from before and you're placing your attention on the experience now. This can increase that grace of the past by drawing it into the present. It's the same idea of re-participation in the Eucharist, how when we receive the Eucharist, we're actually participating in the original event of the, the Last Supper with Christ and the apostles in the upper room. We're, it's a re-participation. We're bringing it forward into the present it's not a, it's, we're not just remembering it like it was a nice little birthday 20 years ago. We're not remembering it that way. To remember in the, the scriptures means to bring it forward into the present. And so you're remembering, you are re-experiencing a moment of encounter with God that was specifically and especially very close, very tender, where you felt cherished. Or maybe it's a place but specifically, what we really want to do is is try to remember a time when we felt uh, particularly close to God himself. Now, if you are a person who has never felt close to God in any way, shape, or form, I'll address that in just a moment. But if you have and you can remember a time when you felt really close to God, relive that original experience re-enter into it and place your attention on that experience in the present moment right now and experience what it feels like that Jesus is with you, that God is with you in that moment, that feeling of closeness. Okay. Now, if you are someone that's, that's what's called an Emmanuel moment by the JP2 uh, healing center. And I believe that um, Bob, Bob Schutz got it from Dr. Carl Lehman, uh, the sort of re-experiencing a happy or pleasant or close emotional connection. Um, but if you've never experienced something like that, that's where the visualization can be very helpful. So if it's not a an experience of God himself, in which you felt cherished, then perhaps it was a place or a, a circumstance, perhaps a relationship. Um, a lot of times for people, this is a, an experience they've had in nature. Maybe they were hiking in the mountains and they just felt overwhelmed by the grandeur of God or the grandeur of creation. Maybe it was at the coast. I don't know. But whatever it is for you, place yourself back into that same scenario in the same way that I mentioned earlier and just sort of marinate in how that feels in your mind. And you want to try to imagine it again with all of your senses. So you want to see it. You want to hear it. You want to feel it on your skin. You want to smell it. You want to taste it if you can. Whatever is available as a sensory experience in that from before, bring it forward into the present and sit in that, in that experience and the comfort of it, and the peace of it. And that then is how to transform a moment of isolation and rejection and abandonment. 
You're listening to the Bible Study Evangelista Show. Bible Study Spirits That Taste Like Cake. If you love having Bible study in your pocket, you can become a friend of the show. Click on the yellow friend of the show button on BibleStudyEvangelista.com and become a supporter of any amount and any frequency. Now, here's Sonia. we can learn how to satiate the need to be cherished in a healthy way is in meditation and prayer but rather than the meditation being in the imagination the meditation is in the mind and in the word of God so if we want that intimacy and that need to be cherished to be satiated properly we have to go to the source the one who created that need, first of all, for himself. We have to go to him. And part of how we can do that is through the scriptures. Now, Mary is our model for this idea of intimacy and and cherishing. No one had a greater intimacy with God ever besides her, except for Christ No one understood what it meant to be cherished by God, to be cherished, period, like she did. And so she is our model. So how do we imitate her in this search for intimacy? We do it through the scriptures. When I asked her, what do you want me to know about you the most? What she showed me was her love for the word. Now, the word of God is a person, the person of Christ. But she showed me through the joyful mysteries of the Annunciation how she taps into the intimacy with God that she was created for and that we are created for. Now, this puts me in the mind of the Song of Solomon, which we're going to get to later on in the series, um, because that is a beautiful picture of this intimacy, this cherishing that God really, really wants and, and feels for you. He cherishes you. And I'm going to prove it throughout this series. Um, but for the most part right now, if you've never experienced it at all, then you just have to trust that it's true. But one of the ways that you can experience it is by modeling, or I'm sorry, imitating Mary as our model. And she shows us her method of tapping into that intimacy with God through the Word of God. And I call it Love the Word, L-O-V-E. L is listen. She listens to the Word of God through the angel Gabriel. She listens with attentiveness and acceptance and availability. Pope Francis said she listens with that availability because she's present every day, placing herself in his presence. She is available with her attention and then she accepts the word that she hears through the angel Gabriel. So she listens to the word of God. She observes her relationships and circumstances through that the lens of that word and she, in turn, she gets up and goes to serve Elizabeth. 
She knows who that word applies to, her and Elizabeth. And because she knows it, she knows exactly what to do about it. So she observes her relationships and circumstances. V, she verbalizes back to God what she believes she's hearing from him through that word. And she does that through the Magnificat. And then E, she entrusts it all back to God. E is entrust. So we get in touch and with God and place ourselves in his presence, making ourselves attentive and available on a daily basis. And we listen to his word through the readings of the church every single day. And I promise you that if you begin this practice, that you will know what it means to be cherished by God, what it means to be cherished, period, because ultimately we are cherished because we were created from that love. Now, that's actually the subject of another episode, so I won't get into that a whole lot, but I do want to mention that the scriptures and being in the scriptures, seeking intimacy with God there is not simply one of many ways. It is one of two primary ways because Jesus is the word of God. And the catechism tells us that the one table of the Lord in catechism 103, it tells us that the one table of the Lord is both the scriptures and the Eucharist. So I don't, I'm not trying to debase the scriptures at all, but if you just receive the Eucharist and you never crack open the scriptures or you're never listening to God in the scriptures, it's like, you know, the Eucharist is a full self-donation. It's like a physical self-donation. So it'd be like having sex all the time and no conversation. And if you're constantly in the scriptures but you've never received a Eucharist, perhaps if you're non-Catholic, then you're missing a very significant physical element to that word of God that gives us nourishment, makes us feel and experience the fact that we're cherished, and gives us that intimacy that we need. Being in the scriptures is that conversation with God. It's that song, that back and forth that we see in the Song of Solomon and throughout entire the whole Bible, actually. So the Bible itself then is sort of a, it's a love letter, some people have said, but a love song from God to you. And so how in a dating relationship, how do you get to know another person or a friendship? How do you create intimacy with another person? You do it through conversation. If you don't spend time with God in the scripture, listening to his word, listening to what he has to say to you and show you about himself there, then you're missing the part of the biggest thing that creates that intimacy that you're needing. We need to be cherished. And we experience being cherished in the scriptures on a daily basis and in the Eucharist. That is where the intimacy is. So that is how we create the space for God to share himself with us and show us how deeply and fundamentally we are loved. Now, probably in the next episode, we're going to talk about our identity and the fact that we just are cherished. We just are. So 
the fact that we're desperate for it all the time is an indication that we don't, first of all, know the truth of God's word because we haven't been in it every day. And also that our woundedness keeps us from approaching more intimately, approaching God more intimately. It also prevents us sometimes from experiencing more, experiencing him more intimately, usually because of, of walls that we've put up, fears, suspicions, all of those kinds of things. But ultimately, we just are cherished. We were created out of that. And in fact, Catechism tells us in 382 that the soul is directly created by God. Now, the body, the the human person is a, a unity of body and soul. And so the body is part of procreation. It is indirectly formed through a sort of mechanical instinct and copying in reproduction, the science of that, right? So there is a sense in which the man and the woman, the sperm and the egg, they come together, they fertilize, and there becomes a, a human being. A, the form, the physical form of the body begins to, to form. <laughs> Sorry. Um, but the catechism also says that the soul is the form of the body and that the soul is directly created by God, immediately created, it says, is the, the term. And everything that is that is directly created by God, it comes from him, his essence. It has that eternity about it. And so when God creates directly the soul, he is creating what is in his image. And so there's no way because we have the soul of us has been directly and immediately created by God. There is no way that you cannot be loved. You were created with intention, with deliberation. You could never be an afterthought. Your soul, meaning your spirit, your will, your potential, your personality and temperament, all of that was created directly by God. So you just are cherished. Now, we'll talk about that next week, probably in the second episode, but it's important to just kind of nail that down right off the bat. When we talk about the need to be cherished, that need is a primary created need. We were made that way. That's part of why God loves us so much, because we need him. So he made us to need him. And in so doing, he created us for that eternal love that he is. So we need to lean into the neediness and the, the weakness that we feel when we're lonely or when, when we don't feel cherished, when we feel rejected or abandoned. We need to lean into that and we need to remember to engage the limbic system through music, art, prayer, meditation, because that's where healing and emotion all are processed in that same area. And part of that meditation and prayer includes sitting in your Emmanuel moment when you're feeling those those uh, separated feelings and being in the scriptures every single day in that intimate song of, of love with God. He shares himself with you and you in turn share yourself with him.
Thank you for listening to the Bible Study Evangelista Show. Find out more at BibleStudyEvangelista.com.